to uh, get to follow up on Ann's message from last week, which was really good. And um, I'm struggling a little bit this morning. We went to a wedding last night, and I danced too much. And I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit tired this morning. So, but I was able to get up here, and I, I saw Brendan. He was dancing the night away. For those of you that know Brendan, uh, he had a really fun time. Probably too much fun. Fun. Whoa! All right. Okay. So, hey. So, um, the cool thing is, it's about acts that I love. Is you know, we're part of a church network called the Call to Greatness Church Network, or whatever. And there's four churches and seven campus ministries, and they are going through acts as well. So that's pretty cool. Like that, we're like doing something together. And I think uh, the church in Lawrence, I was talking to the pastor there, and they're in chap- Acts chapter 18 as well. So it's pretty cool. We're going to be doing the same thing they are today. Um, I'm not sure where Topeka and Kansas City are, but they're somewhere in Acts. Um, so, but, so let's see, <clears throat> Anne dove into Acts 17, and we see there a guy, let's get back into this, Paul going into Athens, I'm going to try to remind you back what happened, we learned about how Athens was a learned city, like they would love learning and hearing about new ideas, during Paul's visit to Athens, he is distressed by all the false gods, you kind of remember kind of all the idols in the cities, he engages with these philosophers and thinkers in Athens, and they're intrigued by this new teaching that he, they listen to Paul talk about the God that made the heavens and the earth and the universe and created mankind. And he lays out a vision for our King Jesus that is so big and majestic that we can't even fathom him. Like, remember, Anne kind of talked about the universe and did all the solar system thing, you know, and, and it's like, man, this is how, like, we know very little about really what's going on, you know, and, and he goes, and she went on into the listeners are so taken to that they invite him to present again, and some decide to follow this way of Jesus, okay? So, so he finishes off in Athens, and he's like, I'm out of here. It was safe. He didn't, you know, he didn't get stoned. He didn't get beaten up this time. He didn't get thrown in jail, right? As we've seen this journey, that's, he's kind of been, every town he goes to, there's something dramatic is happening it seems like but let's get off into acts 18 he goes into this new town so let's see what what happens so acts 18 1 through 4 after this paul left athens and went to corinth there he met a jew named aquila 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 a native of pontus who had recently come from italy with his wife priscilla because claudius had ordered all jews to leave rome paul went to see them And because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So for starters, we see that Paul actually has some skills. He's a tent maker. Um, But Paul hits this Greek city of Corinth, and it ends up, it's a very important city, Corinth. Um, So it's a city about 50 miles from Athens. So imagine he walks from Athens to Corinth, okay? And it's a strategic trading city that sits between two ports. A narrow isthmus. So I don't know if you guys know what an isthmus is. I didn't initially remember from my geography class. So I looked it up. It's a narrow strip of land that connects two larger land masses and separates two bodies of water. So you can see the isthmus there between these two bodies of water. And what they would do is they would literally, uh, uh, they would come in through the Aegean Sea and they would actually walk across this little isthmus. I I forget how how long, how far they said, maybe... um, it's not very far, and they would end up putting all the goods on another boat in the other sea and then go across here. 
So they actually, this was a common thing there. But so it was a very busy city. And it looks like as we read through the Bible, Paul visits it three times and he writes four letters to the church in Corinthians. So it's a, it's a happening place. Um, by all accounts, it's a pretty rowdy city. Okay, lots of sailors and prostitutes. So it's a lot. There's a lot of things happening in this city. Um, Lots of immorality and sounds like a great place to share the good news. Okay, another interesting point is that the Roman emperor Claudius had expelled all the Jews from Rome because he was concerned that they would cause riots and tumultuousness in the city because of Christ. So, you know, at this time, the Jews and the Followers of Jesus are kind of having some problems because, you know, they're talking about, hey, the Messiah is coming. And the Jews were like, no, we don't like that. We want to stay with the law. And so they're causing some problems. So Claudius says, get the heck out of Rome. Go to Corinth. Again, adding to the rowdiness of Corinth, right? And then some new characters arrive on the scene, Aquila and Priscilla. And it looks like their husband and wife team, their tent makers, you know, we're going to talk more about them here in a little bit. But it says that Paul stays with them and works with them. And on the Sabbath, he's always going to preach the gospel. So he's got this dual bivocational at this time. You know, he's preaching the gospel, but he's also working um, as a tent maker. So that's the lay of the land in these first four verses. Let's go to uh, verse 5. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of um, Titus, Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So he does the right thing. Paul preaches, and he's preaching full-time. He preaches to these folks, and, man, they're abusive. They start opposing him. They start getting after him, right? And it sounds like Paul's like, bro, enough. I'm out of here. Like, you guys, man, I've done my job, and you guys are opposing me and not responding very well. I'm done with you Jews. So if you guys won't listen, I'm going to the Gentiles, right? Well, something interesting happens then. It's really cool. Despite all the abuse, you see that the leader of the synagogue, Crispus, and his entire household believe. Now, this is, this is remarkable, and I, I think this is an important point here. You know, they're saying that, that the, the synagogue's abusive. All these people in the synagogue are abusive. But the leader of the synagogue, man, he goes for it. He's like, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. What this Paul is saying, man, this is amazing. I'm going to follow this. And I, I love his name, too. What a great name, Crispus. That's, like, cool. Um, I mean, this dude, he's having a genuine change of heart. He abandons his post as leader of the synagogue, which I think is wild in this city. Imagine this in Corinth. You're the leader of all the Jews, basically. You have power, prestige, position, and this guy says, I'm leaving all of that, and I'm going to go follow Jesus. Man, that's, that's like, you know, for most of us, you know, when I, was a, when I became a Christian, I was a college student. Um, just like many of you. I was a grad student. I was in law school at the University of Kansas, and my last year of law school, somebody reached out to me, and I started following Jesus. And you know what? I didn't have a lot to give up at that time. Like, I was a student. I was like, okay, so, like, I didn't have much in possessions. I wasn't married. I didn't have, like, 
you know, this guy has a, fa- a nice job. He's like very well respected. Um, he's got a power over like the Jews. He's responsible for them. And he gives it all up. I mean, that, that's amazing. You know, I'm reminded of a, a guy. There's a there's a um, missionary that we support here as a tr- as our church here at Bluemont. That and and same with our network. That's in Nepal. His name is Bob Adakari, and Bob is leader of a church network in Nepal in many of the the Hindu villages. And what he I remember him telling me. You know, it's interesting because sometimes in the U.S. when you become a Christian, you give up some things, maybe some few things. Maybe you have to cut off some relationships. Maybe, you know, you might stop doing this or stop doing that. For, him, for the converts there in these villages, they have to give up everything. And I remember him telling me stories of people would come to follow Jesus after they really consider it. You know, they, they really, con- man, they contemplate it. Man, this is what, they lose their families. They lose their jobs. They lose all their relationships. Many of them get beaten with sticks. And you're thinking, like, what, really? Like, people are still beating people with sticks? Yes, in these villages in Nepal. They're, and so they end up, the people have to live in the church. And the church cares for them for a month or two while it's for everything to calm down and provides all their needs, food, whatever. Just because they made a decision to follow Jesus, they're, everybody disowns them. And it's really, it's amazing, you know, the Bible comes alive when you think about it, when, when in verse, I think of uh, in verse Mark eight thirty four and 35, it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know, these, these people, in, in these, it sounds like Crispus gives up everything to follow Jesus. And he had a lot to give up. And these Hindus that I'm talking about in, in Nepal, they have to give up everything and start over. You know, what, what are we, I mean, what do we have to give up? You know, how, may, can you remember when you started following Jesus? If you did, like, what did you have to give up? Was it very much? I'm sure it was some things, right? A few little things, maybe. I had to give up, like, a bunch of the friends that I was hanging out with at the time because they probably weren't the best influence since I was smoking and drinking all the time, like that too much, probably that was unhealthy. You know, I had to stop some of the bad habits I had. I mean, I had to, I had, I had to change some things, but man, Crispus, it sounds like stopped a lot of things. And I don't want to forget the last part of verse eight here. Let's, it says many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. What's interesting. It's like, man, these guys were so abusive to Paul. He's preaching, he's preaching, he's preaching, and they're abusive. But then Crispus comes, and then it says, many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So despite the opposition, the kingdom of God is still advancing. Paul courageously proclaims the gospel, and the kingdom advances. Lives are transformed and saved because Paul was courageous enough to preach. In these days, it seems like we're opposition to following Jesus seems to be everywhere. You know, just yesterday we were, um, there was a, uh, in Lawrence, there was a national, like, reproductive rights day or something. And they had this, at this park, they had this bunch of people there. And it's interesting, I saw a couple of the signs, and I was like, man, this is such opposition to Jesus. I thought this was about reproductive rights. And, there, and, and literally it said, like, thou shalt, not bother, thou shalt not do anything to my body, Philippians 6.17. And I was like, what? 
Like, and I saw these two people, these two older people, they had, both of them had like these make-believe verses, and they both were like Philippians 4.3 and Philippians 6.13. I was like, what? But there's such opposition to Jesus everywhere, it seems like. And Paul gives us courage to keep sharing the truth. Jesus is the way. To keep, you know, we got to keep proclaiming the good news, despite our fear, discomfort, worry. So, Let's move on to to verse 9. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. I love how God comes and speaks to Paul in this situation. You know, it's just, man, he's sleeping, and then, you know, gets a vision. And or maybe he wasn't sleeping. It says one night he got a vision. Um, he encourages him to keep doing the good work. It's simple, you know. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you. They won't attack or harm you. I have many people in this city. What an encouraging word. And and then Paul, all he has to do is believe. Like all right, the, God said it. I'm going to do it. Like that's great, you know. And and I think it, well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume this, that I think he's, he's like, yes, I'm not going to get beaten. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to jail here. This is a safe place for me. He's probably like, and then he's like, I'm here for a year and a half at least, at least, because I'm safe here. I got people in the city. I'm not going to get stoned. This is cool. So I'm sure Paul was thinking, man, I definitely want to be here for a while. Um, thank you, God, for telling me that I'm not going to get beaten. Um, but, you know, I think we really have to note that he really takes the time to teach and help the church in Corinth grow. I mean, this is a big thing here. Um, he obviously, he has a real heart for this church to stay here for a year and a half. Um, and we know that he's living with Priscilla and Aquila, so he's probably training and teaching them, too. Like, he's living with them. He's probably working with them. They're probably sharing the gospel with each other all the time, talking, growing, learning. how. Man, this is great, a great opportunity. Well, then let's move on to the, as the story continues in 12 uh, to 17. While Galileo, Galileo was pro-council of Achaia, and pro-council is like a governor, okay? The Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Okay. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of these things, of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the governor, basically. And Galileo showed no concern, whatever. What? Yeah. So... Remember, it's interesting, the synagogue leader, Crispus, is a follower of Jesus now, right? The Jews in Corinth are under new leadership. So this guy, I think his name is Sosthenes or whatever, yeah, it says that the Jews bring Paul to the governor of the area. And the, and the reason they brought him to the, brought to the governor is the Jews were not able to punish anyone according to Roman law. So they had to bring it to the, to the Romans. So... Then, you know, it says here, and, and they ask him to do something to this big, bad, scary guy, Paul, right? Sounds like it's just a minor thing of words, right? And he says, uh, man, you handle it. I'm not going to mess with these things that deal with your law. And then something remarkable happens. 
they beat the new synagogue leader in front of the governor, and he doesn't even care. They beat him right there, the new synagogue leader. This guy, Sosthenes, was probably the leader of the person that was being abusive to Paul earlier, right? Probably if the Jews had possessed power here, they would have probably put Paul to death, stoned him, did something to him, right? Instead, their plan is thwarted, and the leader of the uprising, uprising takes a beating. Like, it's crazy how God works. Like, it's, wow. Like, the, the whole thing gets turned upside down. Paul's getting just totally, like, man, opposed. And then the new leader gets beaten. Amazing. I, it's just amazing. He's thinking at the time, like, man, things are tough here. And things just turn on a dime. So then let's, let's continue on in the story. I want to speed it up because there's a, a little bit here on, on this verse. So Paul, sitting here, he finally, he's ready to leave Corinth. The guy gets beaten. He's like, I'm going to get out of here now. It's probably a good time to leave. And so he goes to Corinth. He leaves Corinth and goes to a place called Ephesus. Meanwhile, he takes Priscilla and Aquila with him to, um, to Ephesus. And he drops them off there. So he like, hey, Priscilla and Aquila, why don't you guys stay here? I'm going to head off. He goes to Caesarea, then to Jerusalem, then to Antioch. And then it says he goes to place to place through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So what what do we have here? Paul's checking in. He's doing a check on all the disciples. Man, people who are following Jesus in all these places, the kingdom of God is advancing in all these places, you know, and he's out there just doing some checks. Hey, man, how can I encourage you? How can I strengthen you? Man, stopping in, just seeing how people are doing. Um, It's interesting. It reminds me uh, back, I was a lawyer for a few years, and then I went into the financial industry. And there was these things back in the day that you guys might, now they're not, not really that important to call mutual funds. They're kind of things you invest in. Their ETFs are more common now. But there's these things, mutual funds, and they, they had these things in my business, mutual fund wholesalers. And they would come to my office, and basically they want to tell me about the product. They want to, um, you know, they go around the region, and they talk to all the different advisors on the product. They strengthen their interest in their product. They want to basically for you to buy their product, and they want you to encourage people to buy their product, and they want to give you answer questions, counter false theories about their product. They, they're basically trying to sell you on their product and tell you, and you know, so when you go see your clients, you have all this material. Hey, this is why you should invest in this, this, and this. And so these guys would go all around the area. They're, there's regional, they're uh, wholesalers. And I find, kind of feel like Paul is doing that in some ways, but for the kingdom of God. He's going around, he's checking on the churches and the disciples, he's vid- visiting them, he's giving them encouraging stories of how the good news is being spread. I'm sure he told them about Sosthenes, you know, getting beaten. By the, you know, I mean, you, you think he's like, man, he's telling stories. Think about how we would be today. Like, man, we were on campus the other day, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. You know, he's probably doing the same, encouraging the disciples in all these places. Maybe he's strengthening their understanding. Um, Maybe he's correcting false teaching. Maybe he's answering questions to common things that are coming up on on how they should apply the the word of God. Basically, it's a checkup. And he's going around doing this in all these different cities. It's amazing. He's just going city by city, kind of like what the wholesalers are doing. 
And then we see in verse 24, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos. There's a lot of characters in this, this chapter, for sure. Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. Okay, probably hung out in Athens a little bit, maybe. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. You know, interesting here. Um, you know, this guy, Apollos, it sounds like he's a, new, a disciple of Jesus, right? I like that name, Apollos. Um, man, if I had another son, maybe I would call him Apollos. That's a strong name right there. Um, but this guy sounds like a real faithful, solid disciple, solid in the word of God, gifted in teaching. Sounds like he's a very passionate guy. This is great. But the first thing that hits me is, what is the baptism of John? What is that? Did he get baptized by John the Baptist, or did he get baptized by a guy named John? You know, you know and I, I think actually in next week's chapter, we're going to see that, but in, in you'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek. In verse 4, it says, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. What, what does that mean? So, so let's, let's talk about that briefly. You know, basically, it's a symbolic representation of changing one's mind and going a new direction. It demonstrates a recognition of one's sin, a desire for spiritual cleansing, and a commitment to follow God's law. So when we give our lives to Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, the next step is to get baptized. And this is what, basically, it's a baptism, a baptism saying, hey, I'm, I was going this way, now I'm turning, and I'm going another way. And so that, that, that is what this baptism of John that he's talking about. But another thing that intrigued me, and actually, it's like, why did Priscilla and Aquila have to explain the way of God to him more adequately? What is that about? This dude seems to be on point. He's preaching. He's passionate. He's excited. He knows the word. It says he's a teacher of the word. What, what the heck here? What is he missing? It seems like he's on fire. But I love how Apollos' attitude and heart position in this. It doesn't say he gets defensive or offended by Priscilla and Aquila. Pride doesn't seem to get in the way. He could be like, man, I got this figured out. Like, I'm good. But no, he seems like he's a guy willing to grow, willing to keep growing, willing to allow the word to transform his mind and renew his mind. That's exciting. This is really amazing because imagine this guy's been in the word. He's a learned dude. He, he doesn't have to, like, why are these, who are these people I just met? And they want to sit there and tell me, explain the word to me more accurately? Wait, I might know more about the word than them. He doesn't have that attitude. He's like, man, I'm going to listen to what these people have to say. And it's interesting. We're going to see here what happens with that. But here at Bluemont, we believe that God calls us to make disciples who make disciples. Therefore, we want to train you and to be effective at reaching others and help them grow. I mean, if, if you know the Bible, the Bible says the church's role is to equip the saints for the work of service. And that job of the church is to equip the saints, all of us, for the works of service, to go do the work. So we don't, we don't, you know, I, I can tell you when Susanna was talking about, um, you know, all these classes and things, the materials, the campus meetings, the community groups, we're not doing this for our health. We're doing this because we want people to grow. 
that's our job. You know, we're reaching out, reaching out to others to help people grow. We want you to be in a community group because we think that's good for your, for, for your spiritual growth. We want you to go to the Experiencing Christian Community class or the Knowing God class or whatever because we think it's good for your spiritual growth. Like, we don't just want to do all these things. I'm sure, Susanna, you have other things to do this. this you'd probably take a nap after church or something. I mean, you know, you have other things. You, you could go to the park. I mean, there's things you could do. But Susanna's wanting people to grow. Michael, wanting people to grow. So you can be more equipped and effective. And it's clear here that Priscilla and Aquila have been trained by Paul to make disciples. The fact that they want to explain to Apollos, hey, man, like, let me explain this to you more adequately. You know, I think of the, what is a disciple when I think of this? And it's like, we're trying to, you know, think about how can we make disciples? A disciple is one who is following Jesus. Okay, so you think about it. It's like, man, am I a disciple? You know, am I following Jesus? All right, first thing. Okay, cool. Second thing, a disciple is one who is being changed by Jesus. And what I love about this is that one who is being changed by Jesus is in the present tense. I'm being changed by Jesus. Apollos could have been like, imagine like a 45-year-old guy who's been learned, knows, been living for Jesus for 15 years, but he's still being changed by Jesus. That's great. We never arrive. We never like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm all good. No. And then it says a disciple is one who is committed to the mission of Jesus. So when you think of, am I a disciple? These are the three things we should be thinking about. Am I doing all of those things? You know, and it looks clear that Apollos' heart position is one of being changed by Jesus. He's allowing Priscilla and Aquila to change him. And it's really a straight a statement to all of us who are believers to keep our hearts open to what God might want to teach and show us in this season of life. You know, as I get older, I'm like, man, you know, it's like I'm amazed that when I read verses or read something in the Bible, how I get a different take on it. As I get older, I, I, I learn something new from it. We've got to be open. We've got to be open to God to continue to change our hearts. So here at the end of it, it, the last two verses, it says, When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who, had, who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, he takes what he learns from Priscilla and Aquila, probably adds to what he learned there, and then he's now becoming, he goes to another city to spread the gospel even more, probably becoming more effective, you know? You know, he gets that, like, kind of, he gets that adjustment from Priscilla and Aquila. Well, wait, that word adjustment sounds to me like I went to the chiropractor. Um, (laughs) Sorry, but in a sense, he got an adjustment, right? Like, chiropractor, you go there, I guess, and you get snap, crackle, pop, whatever. You know, they they put you back in alignment, you know? In some ways, maybe Priscilla and Aquila, you know, they adjusted him a little bit. You know, they adjusted him, and he goes out, and he becomes more effective. He humbles himself and lets the Holy Spirit do the work in him. God helps him. God clearly uses Priscilla and Aquila to do a work in the life of Apollos. Because of that, he goes on to preach, teach, and proclaim the good news more effectively. You know, as I close, I want to summarize uh, Acts 18 by saying this. God wants to use you. God wants to use us. Okay? God wants to use us, each of us, to build his church and advance his kingdom. 
This chapter, I feel like, is a good representation of how God builds his church, okay? He doesn't just use a fancy preacher to lead others. He uses each and every one of us to reach others. Each and every one of us reach others. Each, each one of us has relationships that the other person, uh, the person next to you may not have. We can all, we all have people in our network that are as different. We all have people we come into contact. Paul is clearly investing in building this church in Corinth, and he spends a lot of time there. It, it definitely looks like that from this chapter. He invests in Priscilla and Aquila. They then go and invest in Apollos. Man, disciples making disciples. That's cool. That's cool. He invests in Crispus. It looks like he starts the process with Crispus. We don't hear anything else about the story, what happens to Crispus, but my guess is he gets plugged into the church in Corinth, and then some people, maybe Priscilla and Aquila, for that year and a half, they're investing in him. Probably somebody in the church in Corinth is investing in him. And when Paul comes back and he's writing letters to them, my guess is Crispus is there, his, him and his family. And you know, Crispus is beginning his spiritual journey. But I love how Paul stays, obviously, to build the church. He stays for 18 months teaching, preaching, modeling, living, showing, correcting. Everybody's favorite one, correcting. None none of us like that. (laughs) Nobody likes to get corrected too much, right? But I love love also that we had this in this whole story, in this whole storyline, that we have um, Apollos and how he receives, he had a heart to receive the instruction and adjustment. You know, the correction part of it. Man, we don't, correction's hard. We don't always want to hear it. You know, I remember there was a time, the guy that was training me up in the faith, you know, kind of like what Priscilla and Aquila did, you know, this guy was training me up in the faith. And one time he told me some stuff that was really hard. And, you know, I didn't really want to hear it. And I told him, listen, I'm not going to your effing church ever again. Don't ever call me again. Don't ever do any, don't call me, don't talk to me ever again. And this was maybe six months into my journey as a believer, so I was still pretty raw. Um, Anyways, so he just, and then so what did he do? He ended up calling me 13, 14 times in the next two days, and I didn't answer it. I didn't answer the phone. I was like, no, I'm not... But on the 15th time or the 14th time, whatever, I did answer the phone. And he's like, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, you know, hey, man, hey, sorry, man, I haven't answered. You know what? When you told me that, you were right. Man, I, I was offensive. I was wrong. And, man, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Because, you know what? I, real, I had I taken those two days and all those calls that, during that time. And I was like thinking about it. And I was like, man, I was, that, I was an a-hole. Man, I wasn't really paying attention here. I wasn't really listening. This was actually very good advice. But I wasn't, I didn't want, I, I was defensive. And I didn't want to listen. And sometimes when you get correction, it's not really, you don't want to receive it. It's painful. It sucks. You're just like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to change. I don't. I want to stay the same. I'm sure glad, it appears at least, that Apollos didn't do that. Apollos was like, man, I'm in. And he took that, that verse, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Man, he, he had a set way of doing things. Priscilla and Aquila came in and taught him more adequately, and he changed. And he changed that pattern, and he changed those thoughts. You know, are you letting people speak into your life, you know, and give you 
that adjustment that you might need. Not just any people. I mean, it's not, you know, hey, just somebody you meet on the street. Oh, man, hey, you need to stop doing that. Well, maybe they have good advice for you, but you've got to get trusted people that know you, that care about you, and how, that know the word, that can help you change these patterns in your life that don't align with God's word, right? We want to change patterns that don't align with God's word. That's the key. And are you letting God cut those bad habits out of your life? You know? You see, the Bible is really good at showing us how to live. We just have to choose to follow it. I think a lot of times that's the case. Oh, the Bible says this. Oh, oh, gosh, no. That's so painful. I don't want to do that. No, I don't. But then we do. We, we, we say, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to try to do this. Let us be people who will allow the Bible and others to shed light on things that are lives in, in our lives that don't align with his word. Let us be that kind of people. Okay? Well, let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for, you know, just Acts 18, for showing us, Father God, the, the, the heart of Paul, how he had a heart to, for the church, how he heart, had a heart to build people, how he had a heart to care for others, Lord God. Help us to have that heart for others, for people who may not know you, Lord. And Father, I just pray that also that we would have a heart that we would be open, man, that people could say things to us and, and really help align our lives, Lord God even when it may be difficult to hear or may be hard, um, maybe a hard teaching that we don't probably want to hear, Lord, but I just pray that you would open our hearts. Open our hearts to be open to see what God might want to do, um, what you might want to do, Father. We thank you for this time. Let us have a great day, great week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you go slow. Yeah. And thank you, Rich. Yeah, I think that's just so true. I think that, um, you know, the Bible really just shows us time and time again that, like, this is like a group effort, right? Like, this is like us together in the long 